Hi, this is Laura Monroe, and I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you've been coming to us for Inman Connect. Now we're coming to you. Sign up for Inman Connect now, June 2nd to June 4th at Inman.com. This is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. Many moons ago, when I was trying really hard to buy my first house, I went to the racetrack with my dad, Hollywood Park in Los Angeles. I purchased a $5 pick six ticket that during those times was paying out as much as $100,000 to $300,000, more than enough to pay all cash for a house. The way it worked, you had to pick six winners in six consecutive races. On this day with my dad, I won the first five races and had the favorite horse for the sixth race. Oh my God. Everyone sitting around us knew I may have had the big winner. It was really super exciting. Then a gentleman behind me offered me $10,000 for my ticket before the sixth race began. I thought for a moment and I said, no. The race began and my favorite jumped into the lead but lost steam and came in fourth. So what is the lesson of this story? I'll let you figure that out. I've had a lot of luck in my life, including meeting the famous Rand family, a real estate family who I admire very, very much. With me today is Joe Rand, but he's got with him the second generation, or the next generation, I should say, of the Rand family. Hi, Joe, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Brad? Thanks for having us. So tell us who you brought to uh, the Daily Dispatch podcast. We're trying something new today, and I'm super excited. Who do you have with you? Uh, I'm really excited as well. I have my daughter, Aurelia. Say hello, Aurelia. Gotta hello. say, they can't see you. You have to say hello. Hello. And I have my, uh, son, Jake. my son, Jay. Hey, Jay. Hi, Can you Jay. say hi, too? Hi, oh, he's giving. Hey, that's great. You got to see this lovely. In fact, we're going to get a picture of these three. And we're going to put it up on the story because this is the beginning of Jake and Aurelia's road to fame and fortune. So, uh, and I think they're ready for it. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful children. And uh, so let's start out. Really, I heard that you uh, made a restaurant or built a restaurant in your house. Can you, can you tell us a, about that restaurant? Do you feel like you're ready to tell me? What did you do? Did you create a menu? Yeah. And what oh. What was on the menu? Anything I'd like? Did you have Wheaties on there? What was on the menu? What was for dinner last night? The special? The special was shrimp scampi. Oh, that sounds great. And she made up a, because her brother was eating there, she made up a, she had a menu, but she also had a kid's menu uh, with a maze. Nice. He could do the maze while he was sitting and waiting for dinner to come. Um, now, who, who's your chef in this? restaurant you own. Are you the chef, your dad or your mom? Or Jake, is Jake the chef? Mom. Mom. So did she make shrimp scampi or did you just promise it? Or did you run out? She made it. Oh, wow. I wish I had been there. I would have ordered that. Is it a five-star restaurant you created or a three-star or a two-star? Five-star. Five-star. Five-star, ah, yeah. I like that. Now, how old are you, Aurelia? Seven. Seven. Now, when's your birthday? January 13th. Oh, you just had it. And how old's Jake? Jake, you, Jake, you look kind of somber, like you want to talk about interest rates or 
<laughs> home appreciation. How old are you, Jake? Nine. Nine. Wow. So let me ask you, how is it having your dad home all the time? Is that good or kind of a drag? Good. Oh. <laughs> Say again? Never get to come out here. He's using his room a lot. Yeah, I've taken oh. over the living room as my office. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the living room when they're trying to do other stuff. So it's a little bit inconvenient for them. How big is your house? How many bedrooms? Uh, about six bedrooms. Oh, wow. So really, you have your own bedroom. You have your own bedroom, really? Yeah, she does. You're not in bunk beds with your brother in the same room, right? Tell him. Tell him. What? What do you? She wants a new bed set. So is that what you've been trying to get? Well, let's get that, Daddy. Come on. Mommy said maybe that that they start delivering furniture again. We might be able to get her a bed. Um, how long were you out of the house versus now? Like in the old days, pre-Corona, were you? To go to the office every day for a full day of work, go to the gym. Yeah, I'm early. So my my gym, I used to do the gym three days a week about 5.30, get home at 6.30, be out the door by 7.15. So I would be here to kind of, when they got up, I would see them a little bit in the morning for a few minutes, but that was it. And I would generally work, I mean, I, I get to work early um, and I'm generally out the door by like, I try to leave by five so I can be home for dinner with the kids. Uh, and then I might do some work afterwards. Uh, but they would, we have dinner almost every night together. I mean, but even before this, dinner was always a big thing. In my family with my dad, he was always home for dinner at six o'clock. So I try to be home uh, every night as well, uh, even before this. Now, of course, you know, meals are a big communal event every day. There's two or three meals every day that we're together for. So how is it? You like being with daddy all day, huh, really, and Jake? You like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, there you go. And Daddy, how do you like being home with these two all day, every day? Um, it's For the most part, it's great. Uh, I do a call every morning at 9 o'clock uh, with a couple of hundred agents join me. We do a daily call. It's about a half hour to an hour long. Updates about what's going on and things like that. It's our sort of, we used to do the call every day before this, but it used to be a conference call that I would just speak for a few minutes. It took about three to five minutes every day. It was a message of the day. Now it's the half hour to hour coronavirus special with updates and information about government programs and everything like that. So we do it now on Zoom. Um, and of course, today was the day as we're preparing to do this with you. Uh, today was the day the kids decided to get into a fight and run into the living room uh, while I was uh, uh, trying to do the call. So for the most part, it's been great, but there are occasionally are moments, I think like everybody's had uh, with Zoom calls where the dogs start barking or the kids come in or whatever else. But I really do love them. I'm, I'm holed up in the living room uh, so I can just walk out whenever I want and the kids, I can go see them while they're doing their homeschooling or whatever else. Now, do you, go ahead, Jake. You're gonna tell us something. I'm done for the day of school. Oh. oh, good. Now, how, how long is school? Is it like a regular school, like from nine to two or is it kind of off and on? How long is school, Riley? Nine to three fifteen. Are you going? I'm done. Oh my gosh! Is the bus big? I'm done because I just need to check my work. Oh good. Now, did uh, does the bus pick you up at three fifteen? Oh, I guess you don't need a bus. You're at home. Yeah. Where, where's the where's the school? Where is it? In the library. You never. Oh, that's nice. Now tell me this: What are you good at? Math, English, art, history. What's your best? Subject. Jake, what about you? What's your best subject? What are you good at? Science. 
Science. Cool. How about you, Aurelia? What are you good at? Art. What is it? Art. Art. Wow. That's great. Science and art. Yeah, she's That's my artist. She's my mathematician, scientist guy. You know what your dad's title, his big shot title at the Rand Company is? He's chief creative officer. Yeah. So I you're on the that. creative side. Yeah, she's she's very much, uh, she's the performer, although she's not speaking up as much. She's doing a lot more waving than she is speaking. Um, but uh, but she's our, she does shows. She's in a play. What's the play you're in now? Aristocats. She's in the Aristocats. They're actually doing oh, nice. rehearsals on Zoom. They're rehearsing all together on Zoom as they practice for this show that hopefully at some point they'll be able to perform live. Joe, let me ask you this. If for some weird reason this became reality, could, could you isolate, run a company with your mom and your brothers uh, in isolation for a year? Uh, I could do my job in isolation. In fact, I almost in some ways prefer it. Like I really do like, I, I do a lot of work. The reason I'm the chief creative officer is that um, Matt, my brother, who's the chief executive officer is the one that actually manages people. Most of what I do is creative work that a lot of which I do alone anyway. So I could definitely do what I do. And I do think Matt, I mean, seeing the way he's managing our team uh, remotely with, you know, Google Hangout and Zoom conference, yeah. like that, I think he could do that. The thing we'd have a problem with is that right now, we're not allowed to show houses. Um, yeah. So when you can't show houses, it makes it tough to sell them. So I think the, the company would, would have a hard time if we can't do some live work. But managing it, I think, would be entirely feasible the way we're operating right now. Yeah. How's the mood of the agents? Are they struggling? Or You know what? They're busy. They're just busy. Um, they are, um, you know, we started this. We had our, our lockdown offer was uh, order, the essential services order, which basically put, made us all stay home, was a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe two, three weeks ago. And when it came into place, we really thought the agents would be sitting home with nothing to do. And so we started creating tons of content, training. Uh, we did CE promotions. We did in-house training. We did a ton of stuff that we were trying to put in place to keep them busy. Um, we had all these projects for them and things like that. And what we found is they totally ignored it because they had a pipeline of deals, all of them, that they had to push through. So they weren't busy showing houses so much because they really couldn't do that anymore but every deal was five times as hard as it should have been or as it would have been before the virus. And so they were crazy busy for the last half of March and the first part of April. Now that pipeline is kind of in contract now uh, or it's getting ready to close and it's really in our market in the hands of the attorneys. So they, they're a little bit less busy now. And so for the last two weeks, everything we've been doing has been about getting them uh, filing for unemployment and helping them through that process. And now it's filing for the SBA loan and getting them through that process. And so it's been, I think they've been busier than they were a year ago, March. They're just not showing houses. Yeah. Let me ask you is, um, I'm just curious, is there a particular type of agent that shines in this environment different than the pre-corona crowd? I mean, the pre-corona crowd is a top producer. They get listings, they, they close deals. Hopefully they're ethical, they have integrity. Um, you know, the profile was pretty obvious for a broker owner where you made your money, even though the splits were probably higher. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular profile of an agent today that uh, in this environment that you see stands out more without naming names? Yeah, I think it's I think it comes down to resiliency that you have to be flexible. 
you know, what I'm seeing are agents both, you know, I think the top agents have that. I think that really great agents do have the qualities and characteristics of they stick to things. They, um, they deal with the punches uh, and they flow with the punches. Um, and I think that's showing up in the resiliency that, that most of them have. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny, we, we, had a, we had a conversation, we brought in Tom Ferry to do a webinar with us the other day. Uh, so he spoke for about an hour and he talked about the idea of don't furlough yourself. Don't be an agent that takes a furlough for the next two months, that even though we can't show houses, which is going to make it very difficult to fill up the front end of the pipeline, there's still a ton of deals that we have to get in contract and to closing to keep our closing numbers up, which is where we make our money in April and May. Um, and then on top of that, um, at some point, the, the market's going to open up again. And so you got to stay in touch with your clients. You got to stay in touch with, you know, so what's agent, going on. So and, some agents do right. that better than others, I assume. Some agents are doing that better than others. I, I do think, you know, it, when, there was, when we were able to go out more, um, I think that there was a concern that some of the older agents, because they fell into high-risk categories, would have problems. But now it's an even playing field. No one's allowed to leave the house. So it really comes down to, um, to I, I think it's the resiliency. I don't think it's the tech stuff. Like people might think, well, an agent is really good on video conferencing is going to do better. Because to be honest, they're all picking it up. I mean, that's a, been a big change. So it's, Every, it's probably back down to the same old stuff. It's a work, work ethic probably, right? Or work ethic, staying organized, you know, updating your systems. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that good agents are good at, right? They work I, hard and they're, and they're organized. I think it's the same thing with good agents. I think it's the same thing with like if you run a restaurant. I'm seeing some restaurants in my market that are thriving right now doing takeout, curbside, they're not doing takeout, they're doing curbside, they're doing delivery, they're doing no touch delivery. Uh, and I'm seeing other restaurants that are just, they're doing family specials, things like that. The ones who hustle, they're still hustling. Uh, and the right. ones who don't hustle, they're struggling. Well, it's kind of interesting. Our income is collapsed, but we had some good years that led up to this. So, and people have to eat and they have to do certain things. There is disposable income. It's just Who's going to hustle to get that income, right? I mean, that's yeah. and find those opportunities. Let me ask you this: uh, You're pretty savvy. This whole idea of the V recovery, some parallel to 9/11, and you were around that that environment, being close to New York City. That was a V recovery. Clearly, nothing really, and it was also very parochial and regionalized to to New York City. Um, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, we're going to get a V recovery. This this virus, you know, sweeps through." let's say the summer, end of the summer, people still have to be careful, but the economy like after 9-11 is gonna come roaring back. What, what's, your, what's your guess? Is that how you're looking at it? Or is this a slower recovery? Not necessarily as bad as 2008, 9, 10, but uh, something that take a while to get you know, everything back up and going. This is Bob Hale. I'm excited. I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find out the details at Inman.com. Uh, I've actually been working on an analysis to look at three prior crises. I looked at 9-11, I looked at the financial crisis, and I looked at Hurricane Sandy, which didn't hit the country, but really hit our market really hard. Um, and I think it comes down to a couple things. I think, one, the fact that this crisis is not intrinsic to real estate in the way that 08, the reason we had a 
financial crisis in 08 was because real estate was overvalued. It was built into the real estate market. So we had to pop. We were the bubble. Here, the problem is outside real estate. So I don't think that it's going to, um, I don't think there's any reason to think that it's going to be 2008 again, because that that was terrible but for Joe, real estate because real estate was Joe, built into the problem. But, but Joe, it, it isn't real estate. Uh, the cause wasn't real estate, but the economy is worse than it was then. Now, right this second. If the, um, economy's, I, if the economy's shitty, yeah. people, and I didn't say that little, really, and Jake, I didn't use the word <laughs> shitty. I really didn't. <laughs> but if, if the They've never economy, heard that word before, Brad. They've never heard any kind of course word. So you, those ears have been uh, virgin up to now. Oh, good. I don't want to bring the newsroom language to, <laughs> to your nice family there. But the economy is really, really bad. And you and I both know when the economy is really, really bad, people don't buy houses. So even back in the day, you know, during the housing crisis, there was a housing crisis, but there was an economic collapse. And we're having that now. Um, I mean, well, I don't need to argue. Thing. I don't need to argue. It just seems to me that if the economy's bad, housing's still screwed, whether or not it's like the cause of the problem or not. It's Corona this time. It was housing last time, but it's still the same set of circumstances. No question. Oh. I, no question. I totally agree with you. If if somebody loses their life savings in the stock market or loses their job, they're not buying a house, and there goes our demand, and then the housing market's going to have a problem. So yes, it depends to some extent on is the economy in bad shape or is the economy completely cratering. Um, my point was only that we shouldn't expect it to be two, 2008 because real estate was overvalued then. I don't think it's in the same precarious state it was in then. Yeah. If you do look back at, at, at I mean, the, the housing market shrugged off 9-11. The housing market shrugged off um, uh, Sandy. Hurricane Sandy in this market. Oh, it did. I was going to ask you about Sandy. So that, yeah. was, that was very similar to 9-11 then, Sandy. And, and the thing is, both 9-11 and Sandy led to the kind of disruption that we have now, where the market was shut down for a couple of weeks, government operations shut down for a couple of weeks. This will be longer, so this will be worse, because we're not going to be shut down for two weeks, we'll be shut down for two or three months. But um, there's nothing, unless the market completely craters, there, there's no, the, how, the economy completely craters, there's no reason to think that in three months that people who are ready to buy a home in March aren't going to be ready to buy a home in July or August. Um, if they lose their life savings, if they lose their job, yes, they're out of the market. But if we're able to get some semblance of normalcy in the economy, businesses come back in June and July, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, think, it, I think we'll the be pro- okay. the problem with The problem with jobs, it's always the case. When employers get used to having uh, a, a smaller payroll, and they, things come back and they're making a lot of money, they're often slow to hire. Now, there's certain companies that just hire, they have to, right? The airlines will be back up and they'll hire everybody. The restaurants, you know, at least fast food, they'll hire really quickly. But a lot of other companies, you know, an employer often says, hmm, I can live without Charlie. And uh, that, that's what I'm worried about in the recovery. So you're right in the hotbed of everything, sure. Joe. And, uh, and, and you're also a worldly guy that can debate tough issues, which I like about you. Some people don't want to, but... Um, I'm in California, where Governor Gavin Newsom was amazing, as, yeah. as he is, as he been, in, as he has been in other difficult issues. He became mayor, and he said, "We're going to legalize gay marriage." And people from all the world came to San Francisco to get married um, when he was mayor. Everything he ever has done that he knows is right, he's decisive, and he was incredibly decisive. And he also cooperated, at least initially, with the president because he knew the guy with the the, the money. 
he should you know cozy up to. So he didn't he didn't engage right away in a big political fight with the president. Um, I'm not weighing in here. I'm just laying out the facts as I see them. You have a governor and a mayor, at least in New York City, they waffled. I know, you know, Governor Cuomo is very popular now, and I always liked him as Secretary of HUD, so I'm not putting him down. But New York seemed to waffle. Uh, they they were in and out of the isolation. They waited. And I know everyone says it's density in New York City, but as I look at the political landscape, and I think the record will show when this is all over, when we tally up what people didn't do and did do, uh, and I don't cast blame on anyone, any politician. This has got to be a really hard thing for them to pull off. But why did some of these states and some of these, and I guess I'm lucky to be in California because now the results are showing up. Um, what, what do you see? And, and I put a lot of opinion in there, but what do you see going on uh, in your backyard? And does it even matter, the politicians, what they say and do? And um, you know, No, I think it absolutely matters. I think it matters what the governor does. I think it matters what the president does. I think you're right about uh, Gavin Newsom in California. I think he has really been the gold standard. I think Mike DeWine in Ohio has done a great job and he's a Republican, so it's not, I'm not going political one side or the other. Um, I think that in New York, uh, I think the Mayor de Blasio in New York City was slow to respond to this. He kind of um, was a little bit um, complacent about it. And I think that really hurt New York City. I think Cuomo was a little bit better I think since it started, uh, Cuomo has been great. You know, much the same way that, you know, Giuliani was Americans, America's mayor after 9-11, even though Giuliani didn't necessarily do some smart things in the lead up to 9-11 with where he put the crisis center, which he put it right at ground zero uh, or right at the World Trade Center, things like that. But sometimes it's, how do you react after the, the all right, my kids have left the room. So how do you react after the shit is at the fan is an important right. factor there. Um, yeah. I think that some of the governors who having seen what happened in New York, we're still slow, uh, and some have not yet uh, issued the stay-at-home orders. Uh, I think that's uh, problematic. I mean, I think that you're seeing the difference in leadership that, you know, I, I think Cuomo made mistakes in New York early on, um, and then has since been spot on. Yeah. I think Lazio made mistakes early on and continued to make mistakes for a longer period of time. And so, yeah, that leadership does matter. I mean, leadership, as we know, brokers, Companies, um, governments, they matter and they make a difference. Yeah, I had someone in the industry say to me early on, Brett, I think it's really time that we just shut our mouth and stayed calm and isolated. I said, no, it's time <laughs> to speak up and it's time to be decisive. And if you make a mistake, and I think that's what you said about Cuomo, is if you make some mistakes along the way, at least you're out there trying because um, there is no right way to handle this. And someone said to me, you got to do this or do that. And I go, really? Is there a right way? I mean, I don't think there is a right way. If someone's got it, I certainly want to know that person. Hey, Joe, you're fantastic. I really like your family. Um, you. you remind me of my daughter. Um, they have three kids and my uh, son-in-law. They're really a unit. And what I always was impressed by your your, your family other than your children, knowing your brothers and knowing you and your mother is you're a unit. And uh, like all units, you have little disagreements and spats and fights, and, but you, you really are that. And I say that in the most uh, complimentary way, you know, a, a great family unit. And uh, I really respect you. Let us know um, how things are going and let's get you back on the show. But let me ask you one last question. What, are, what is your one word of wisdom to the Inman community uh, about how to weather the next several months? 
Um, I, I would, one word, uh, engagement, stay engaged, stay on top of things. Don't, don't, it's so easy to fall into a stupor and to get overwhelmed by the bad news. I've been creating tons of content. I've been breaking down government programs to explain them to agents. Um, I've been analyzing the market, which, you know, even just writing our quarterly market report took five times as much work as it used to be because our market report usually says, okay, here's what happened in the first quarter. Now writing a market report that tells you what happens in the first quarter, I might as well write a market report about what happened 10 years ago. First quarter is completely different from the second quarter. So you had to write a market report that not only wrote about the first quarter, but then gave reasons for what's going to happen in the second and third. Um, everything became harder um, and you just can't shut down. You have to stay engaged. There you go. Now you've written uh, several books. Are you going to have a, a Corona version of a real estate book? Have you got an idea that we can uh, promote here or is that later on for us? To talk I, think they'll, I think they'll have to come later on as to what we learned from the coronavirus or how it changes things. Um, the, uh, but yeah, the books, I mean, I think the, the, I mean, listen, my book, how to be a great real estate agent talks about that. The most important thing you'd have to do is build relationships with people. And that I think is something every agent could follow that concept because I am seeing a little bit in the industry about agents kind of doing jokey things. I'm seeing agents, I, you know, somebody, um, on, on Inman coast to coast posted something about, do you see this as an opportunity or as a crisis? And I'm like, listen, people are dying. I mean, people are dying. People are losing their life savings. Businesses are closing. To think of this as an opportunity is just to think of it from a monstrous perspective. Like, yes, let's get through it and let's push through it. But like, if your, your attitude about this has to be, how can I help people? Not, ooh, where is my opportunity here to take advantage of this horrific yeah. situation that people are living through? Yeah, Jessica Sweezy, a thousand watts, said it yesterday in a podcast. She said, uh, serve, don't sell. Uh, and I just thought that those three words, serve, not sell, just said it all. And very much similar to what you just said now. But she um, said it in three words and I used about 400. So you well, know, give Jessica the credit on that. She did a great job. She's exactly right. Well, you're like me. We'd blather on. But there's a, <laughs> there's, there's a point buried in there somewhere. Did you that's like why we, That's why we're writers. We need editors. Editors are yeah. very helpful oh, for you. God, if I didn't have editors. Hey, did you like my racetrack story? Do you think? The lesson of the story, should I have sold it for $10,000? I, I didn't tell people what the lesson was. What's the lesson of my story? I think you, 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 you never, of course not. You keep it, it's your experience. Experience <laughs> is worth it. much more than that. <laughs> exactly. That story was worth 10,000 because I've told it so many freaking times. <laughs> hey, listen, you're the best man and I can't wait to see you on the other side and give you a, well, I don't know if I'll hug anymore, but I'll at least shake your, well, I don't know if I'll shake your hand. We'll do the elbow thing together, Brad, me and you. Something. Okay. You be well. This is Brad Inman checking out with Joe Rand and family, uh, Westchester, New York. And uh, really, got to get it right, Joe? Westchester? Westchester, Rockland, the New York metro area, basically, yeah. Okay. From the new New York metro area. I was in Joe's living room, and I'm really grateful he let me in. Brad Inman checking out.